months ago, I got an invitation to a meeting of spiritual innovators that was going to be held in Anaheim, California at the end of May. This must be a mistake, I thought. I'm not a spiritual innovator. I'm a reporter. The event had one of those clever, catchy names that sometimes make me cringe. Soul Arise, as in S-O-U-L Arise. My name is Spencer Burke, and 20 years ago, we started Solarize for Spiritual Innovators. And uh, we did it a number of years, and it was always a pop-up. It was just when it was needed. And uh, for uh, 10 years, we did it, and all of a sudden, it felt like it, it had done its job. I don't believe in built to last. I literally believe in built to die. You know what I mean? Like, and out of that compost can come something else that's beautiful. But there were some interesting nonprofits putting it on and some intriguing people behind it. So I headed to Anaheim. And so uh, last year, all of a sudden there was a stirring. And some people were saying, hey, there's something going on. And there was so much energy. And we're like, oh my. They were all saying something's afoot. Something is happening. Something is on its way. And what if we could be a part of helping us come together? What I found was a conclave of people motivated by their faith or deeply held spiritual beliefs to work for the betterment of others. They came from all over the world because they thought they could make change together. I thought religion reporters heaven. Welcome to Inspire, a production of Interfaith Voices. I am Kimberly Winston, sitting in this week for Umbreen Khan. The passion behind Solarize is Spencer Burke, who we've just been listening to as he opened the gathering. Spencer was once a teaching pastor at one of Southern California's biggest evangelical megachurches, but he walked away to become part of what was known in the 1990s as the Emerging Church Movement. That was a loose network of Christian church leaders who wanted to move away from hierarchy and dogma and build something more progressive and more relational. It took Spencer Burke on a journey that eventually led him to start Solarize about 20 years ago. The three-day event I attended was actually a reboot of Solarize, but it was still a version that aimed at creating something new and founded in faith. I spoke with Spencer a few days later from his home in Newport Beach, California. I wanted to find out what was behind this galvanizing gathering. So explain, if you can, for our listeners, who are people from all religions and no religion, what Solarize is. So Solarize is basically a learning party, and it's always been for spiritual innovators, people in the spiritual world that is... uh, thinking differently. They're on the edge, on the margins, um, but not in a negative way. They're on the cutting edge. They're on the beautiful place of possibility and opportunity. And so we just try to throw a party and say, hey, come, let's talk, let's see. And we have different people playing in different ways. It's really difficult to move from innovation into the mass, into uh, helping people adopt uh, and adapt to it. So Solarize is that bridge, hopefully, in between. So relationships, connections, organizations, friendships, books, seminars, 
all are created by these relationships that happen. So all we need to do with Solarize is create the fertile ground, create a little structure that allows people to engage with one another in a safe space. I said it at the conference that, you know, one of our taglines used to be, you're not the only crazy one out there. So that's in essence, it's a holding spot. It's a place um, where we kind of hold together that idea. I felt like it was a playpen. It was uh, like a big playpen. And in this particular playpen, we had people from 20 countries. We had uh, over 100 attendees, I think. About 140, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh huh. 140 attendees from 20 countries. And there were people from mainline religions. There were Muslims, Hindus, Buddhists, people of no faith. We had people who described themselves uh, as spiritual, but not religious. Uh, there was there were people from Native American spirituality. Um, am I leaving anything out? So the beauty is people just came as who they were, but central in who they were. And they added from who they were. But they didn't need that title. It was really this beautiful space of saying, I have gifts to bring and I honor yours. No one checked who they were at the door, but Mm. that wasn't the way they identified. All of a sudden, it moved into this new liminal space, this moment in time where they were part of this event, this learning party, Solarize, where that became more of our identity in the moment. And the folks who attended were all doing different kinds of work. There were people who were working at the intersection of religion and spirituality and the environment. There were people who were working at the intersection of religion and spirituality and technology, religion and spirituality and social justice, human rights, uh, young people. And the other common denominator besides, you know, everybody being involved in some form of religion slash spirituality was that they were all what you call spiritual innovators. Define for me what you mean by spiritual innovator. So for me right now, I believe that spiritual innovation at its core is the idea of developing a humane spirituality. And what I mean by humane spirituality is trying to restore human dignity to both the oppressed and the oppressor. So I think the difference between spiritual innovation, spiritual change making, um, the whole idea of uh, faith inspired change making, all of this has to do with us also doing our own work, our spiritual work. Because if we just try to change the injustices of the world, that I would define as social entrepreneurism or social innovation, right? We're just trying to, to make the machine work better. But spiritual entrepreneurism or spiritual innovation really takes into account not just what we do, but how we do it. And we have to look at our own part in the systemic issues that are happening because each of us own both parts and one hurt, all hurt, you know. But we also need to realize that many times, consciously or unconsciously, we may be the person creating the inhumanity in another situation. So we have to own our part. So we're trying to restore human dignity for both the oppressed and the oppressor. Um, and you had mentioned, you know, that the different groups, they were all spiritual innovators working with the environment or injustice or new longevity or empowering youth. We call those common cause communities. 
And I think what makes spiritual innovation so powerful is that anyone can kind of do a common cause, right? We have a common cause. We're going to try to stop bullying. But what that third part of it, the community aspect, which is really the spiritual part, I believe, is when we have to stop and ask, what part are we playing? Have you ever been in a situation where you've seen someone who is advocating against bullying and they use bullying tactics? Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And you're like, oh, ouch, that hurts as much. You know, like, Mm -hmm. oh, you know, like, and so we have to stop and ask how we do what we do, why we do what we do. And in community, that is a beautiful reflection, a mirror, an understanding of others being able to call us on our stuff. You know, and us being able to gently encourage one another when asked, you know, where is it that I play a part in this system of injustice? I also thought part of the beauty of the conference was that you take all these spiritual innovators who are working in different areas, like we said, environment, social justice, immigration, technology, and they don't normally rub up against each other in everyday work life. So, so there was this great cross-pollinization. You know, you broke us into these pods where there were six or seven people who work in all these different realms. And, you know, they would say, oh, in my work in immigration, we had this idea. And my work in the environment said, wait a minute, that's a great idea. And you know what we do? We do this. And, you know, we don't get a chance to do that very often. And I wonder if you could speak to the value of that kind of cross-pollinization in sparking spiritual change or meaningful change so the beauty of solar eyes is it's it's built to die you know um it's not built to last and so each time we do it we invite people who you know we just want to learn from and be with and that's the the flavor of uh the conference as we move forward as we're moving now into spiritual innovation the partners who came together for this were just amazing. So Ashoka uh, came and was part of it with their spiritual change maker initiative. It was phenomenal. And then we obviously had people from the Presencing Institute and they brought just beauty and value. And then co-creative came in to try to help us think about how it would continue to move forward under Ashoka's leadership. And so the beauty is each group brought their value to it. It wasn't about programming. You know, there were times, at least from my part, I was trying to set just a sense of safety, a sense of spirit. So it's this wonderful place where all of us were able to think in another dimension. And we should list the organizations that um, were your partners in staging Solarize. We have Ashoka, uh, the Presencing Institute, and uh, Co-Creative. So Solarize started about 20 years ago, ran for about 10 years, and like you told us at the conference, it just kind of ran its course. So 10 years go by, and in about 2020, you start to feel a need to revive Solarize. There was something going on in society that you felt another Solarized was called for. And the folks from Ashoka also reiterated that at the conference, that they felt there was a need for something like Solarized. So tell me, what was it, what was going on that made you think we need to do this again? So about 20 years ago, it was 2001. 
uh, we did the first Solarize. And it was back then when Phyllis Tickle talked about the idea every 500 years, the church goes through this great evaluation. And uh, this was in the 90s. And so with this 500-year shift, um, within my tradition, again, there was this sense of people saying something is up. So Solarize was needed. And so it was born out of that. And then about 2007, kind of the emerging church had emerged. It had had its influence, uh, and I felt like, hey, it was kind of done. And so we had this website called theooze.com, and that was the, you know, the record of a million readers from a 100 different countries, all asking these questions. And so we said, well, what if we got some people together? And that was called Solarize. And um, it was kind of not hitting on ground that would work. It felt like we'd done everything we possibly could. And so in 2007, we thought, yeah, okay, we're kind of done. 2011 came around and everybody wanted to do a 10 year reunion. We thought, oh, okay. So we did it just to really wrap it up and say thank you and close the doors. And then I started uh, moving in other circles. I was meeting a whole new group of people and they were all spiritual innovators. And we got into conversations with all these wonderful people around the world that were doing spiritual innovation. So in uh, 2021, we felt like, wow, out of this fertile ground, there may be another need to gather together. So we gathered together and COVID reared its head again. And so uh, we had like 25 people in the building, but 150 people around the world doing workshops from all over. And they were all just beautiful spiritual innovators, but they weren't just from one tradition. They were from all different faiths and religions. And that was so beautiful. Out of that came these questions like, what if, how could we, you know, is there a possibility? And together we spent uh, almost nine months just kind of birthing this idea of what if. And so it was like, hey, let's try this. Let's see. And that's when this came to life. Uh, And it's because There are spiritual innovators that are needing a space to connect. And I think you felt that and others felt that. And in feeling that, now the question is, is there the need for another one? You're listening to Inspired, a production of Interfaith Voices. I'm Kimberly Winston, in this week for Umbreen Khan. We've been talking with Spencer Burke, the founder of Solarize, a pop-up gathering of so-called spiritual innovators, people who work to make change for the better out of their deeply held religious or spiritual beliefs. After a 10-year hiatus, Solarize was revived this spring, and I was lucky enough to be invited. Here's Spencer opening the gathering. Look at that. Feel that. Can you hear that? Can you hear that? That is the energy that just, that's why we're here. That's amazing. Solarize has always been about, and this is what I love about the partnerships that we have pulled together with this, because it's such beauty. There's a sense of humility. We are all in this together. And I want you to know that it's sewn together with love. Now, sorry, I get a little emotional sometimes. This is everybody pitching in. This is everyone being a part bringing all of who they are. No more, but no less. Just who we are. I want to let you know that we stopped for 10 years and last year felt something. This is the year 
why Solarize started up again. Out of the compost of the years before, it's because we've been waiting for you. Solarize resurrects for you. I asked Spencer how this version of Solarize differed from the first one, which came out of a Christian context. So, in its first iteration, Solarize was pretty much just Christian, Protestant Christian. And in this iteration, it is interfaith. Now, uh, you come from an evangelical background. Your foundation is in, je- is in evangelical Christianity. Um, so tell me, you stepped away from that about 20 years ago. Now, why did you step away from that? So early on, it came from a group of people who were dissatisfied with the church that existed. And mostly in, you know, America, the, the, the power brokers at the time, I was in that group, yep. were white, male, um, cis, you know, uh, mega church speaking pastors kind of thing. And that was not enough for me. So I left it cold turkey. I used to say that, you know, rising to that top kind of 1% of the game, it was too painful to leave. You know, you've mm-hmm. got a salary, you've got a retirement, you've got all that kind of stuff. And quite honestly, maybe I'll just a personal sense of confession is that, um, there is a certain kind of personality that needs that. And I needed it at the time in reflecting over the last 20 years, leaving that I realized that for me, I'm not trying to speak for anyone else. It was not healthy either for me or for them at that time. So in leaving that, it got too painful to stay. So I left a culture. And in that way, I wanted to learn from others because I was reading Thich Nhat Hanh, Living Buddha, Living Christ. I was living, I was reading Merton. Um, and then I was doing some Enneagram work. And so it wasn't just, uh, from a Protestant traditional, it was Catholic and it was Native American. It was, so they were all people that connected to the, to Jesus as at least the metaphor for love. That was the connector. Um, and now as we move forward, we've moved into the humane spirituality, which is all faiths are all part of really teaming together or supporting one another to try to what we've said is, you know, building the future we all believe in. Okay, Spencer, in the last five, ten years, uh, public respect for organized religion has tanked, right? Attendance uh, at organized religious events has tanked. And at the same time, I would argue, and you and I just spoke of this, um, some pretty ugly stuff has emerged out of what at least has billed itself as religion and or spirituality. I'm thinking of Christian nationalism, um, religious hatred, anti-Semitism, oppression, bias, uh, you name it. To what extent, if any, did the current times and attitudes that we feel towards organized religion and spirituality influence your decision to revive Solarize. So I think anytime uh, disruption happens, it doesn't happen in isolation. So back, you know, in, in 2001, you got to realize that Solarize happened in less than 30 days after 9 11. The internet was just happening, you know, uh, in a public way. 
all of these things were disrupting the whole system. And so it gave uh, an opening, an opportunity. So I would say today, that same kind of disruption is happening, the way in which AI is opening, white Christian nationalism, the great spiritual migration. It's not that people have lost their spirituality. They've just moved from the buildings into other places. The disruption is so many market factors, uh, the pandemic. Again, it only revealed. It didn't cause any of this. They're just the great revealers of the moment. I think people are asking some of these questions just about the sensibility of faith. And so it's not that uh, there aren't deeply spiritual people and Christians. You know, that's the other book that Brian wrote, McLaren. He talks about the idea, should I stay Christian? And his basic argument is, here's Christianity as a white national American understanding. Should I just abandon it and leave it? A lot of people want to do that. But I agree kind of with his premise. And that is, if we leave it, then it's lost. So why don't we stand up? and say, no, I am someone who follows the story of Jesus. I embrace the idea of Jesus. And now if you want a little theology, here's my little theology, all right? So I think um, in trying to be godly, we forgot what it means to be human. Mm. And as I watch people in this fervent idea of trying to be excellent, perfect, quote, godly, and that's, I don't think it's godly, you know. So Ephesians talks about Jesus emptying himself, not thinking of something to be equal to God, but released his godness. And again, I don't need to have Jesus be a physical person or a historical person. It's the power of this story of Jesus. Empty himself, coming here in the form of a person, right? So he was not trying to show us how to be godly here on earth. He was trying to teach us how to be human. And in trying to be human, everything he did is what we should follow. So it's not godly to turn the other cheek. It's fully human. It's not godly to try to uh, welcome the widow, the orphan, to visit the prison. That's our humanness. That's the fullness of our humanity. That's not godly. That's just human. And that's the beauty of it. And what's the ultimate thing that we are called to do? Is love one another. No greater love has anyone than to lay down their life. So when I talk about trying to create a humane spirituality, that's the spiritual innovation we need right now. We need to find the ways that we can look at the world as destructive and inhumane as it is and say, oh, love says I give my life, my energy, my work to try to overcome this with love. And again, in doing that, this is the beauty, I think, in being fully human, I think we are God. But I think trying to be godly, we become inhumane. And those views are not necessarily Orthodox Christianity, which was why your book was titled A Heretic's Guide to Eternity. Now, how do you identify now? Do you identify as a Christian? I embrace all of my upbringing. 
all my Sunday school teachers and Bible studies and, you know, all my evangelical roots. I claim Christianity in a different way. I think Jesus now becomes the most inclusive part of my spirituality rather than the exclusive. Thich Nhat Hanh talked about the Tao. As I grew up, it was like, Jesus is the way, the truth, the life. No one can, you know, and the definitive article was somehow supposed to be this exclusivity. He talks about the idea of the Tao being the way. And it was that Jesus was fully the way. Absolutely. Just as many others have been too. And just as we should be moving in that way. So Christianity in the way is the way in which I would love to move. But that's, think about it, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, you know, and the others are the opposite. Those are the dehumanizing senses of religion. So to go full circle with your question, right now, Christianity has become dehumanizing, unrecognizable. And our time in disruption right now gives us opportunity to come alongside and find a humane spirituality that is inclusive, centered in love, with the example of Jesus. And that's just what I want to be about. Spencer Burke, thank you very much for being on Inspired. Thank you. That was Spencer Burke, founder of Solarize, a gathering for spiritual innovators. You can find out more about Solarize at its website, www.solarize that's s-o-u-l-a-r-i-z-e dot org he is also the author of several books including A Heretic's Guide to Eternity which he wrote with Barry Taylor when we come back I'll speak with Anne Borden Evans of the Ashoka Foundation which helped stage Solarize about its emphasis on spiritual change makers stay with us Hi, friends. I hope you're enjoying the show so far. I just want to say thank you. Thank you for listening. Thank you for being part of our community. I don't know if you know this, but we are on the air all the way from Richmond, Virginia to Ketchikan, Alaska, and in so many places in between. We're a national show, and we are a small and mighty team committed to bringing you stories and sounds from around the world that convey not only the diversity and the pluralism of our country, but the beliefs that are shaping our world, our politics, our culture, and the ideas that sustain us and inspire us to think about where we are going. And that brings me to this question. If you value us, if you enjoy listening and appreciate what you're hearing, I want to ask you to take a moment to consider becoming a sustaining member of Interfaith Voices or make a one-time donation at interfaithradio.networkforgood.com. That's interfaithradio.networkforgood.com. Thank you, and let's get back to the show. (laughs) 